the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, talk about the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning webinar. That's right, you heard me correctly. It's a webinar. It's coming up soon in a couple of weeks, and you'll be able to enjoy the insights and commentary while sitting at your computer at home. Um, but before we go into that direction, let's bring in CFP Chad Burton to talk a little bit about it. Mr. Burton, how are you? Great. How are you? I'm doing well. I was listening to your show yesterday. A little bit on the dry side, but excellent content. Um, <laughs> talk about one of the things you talk about. I'm being honest. Um, your content is the best in the business, but smile on occasion. Um, the stock market rotation. This is something you, you're bringing up. You're talking not only reaction to Trump, but rotation is happening. What is rotation and how does it tie into management of people's portfolios? Uh, yeah, sure. So the, the rotation, and it's just understanding what different indexes the media is talking about. We talked a little bit about this yesterday morning, the Dow being you know 8% Goldman Sachs and not a, a lot of industrials, but it's the financial push up, recovering finally to 2008 levels um, that is take it the Dow to all-time highs, um, to record-breaking highs. But you have certain areas of the market that have gone down, like bonds, emerging markets, international, uh, tech stocks since the election. Um, anything that people were buying for purely stocks as just for income, some of these stocks, like some certain healthcare stocks and consumer staple stocks that were you know, pushed to P-E ratios that were record highs, People have looked to take profits in those areas to redo their portfolio into financials, industrials, and make sure they have at least a minimal exposure. So we haven't seen a lot of new money coming into the market, cash on the sidelines. It's been selling other assets to get into uh, assets that people think are going to do well during a Trump administration. I think the biggest case for active management has been on the bond side um, in terms of how ETF bond fund, you know, bond-based ETFs have fared during the interest rate increase versus managed funds. 
um, managed funds were able to pull in some and hold cash and get ready for an event where ETFs don't do that. And a lot of people sold their ETFs. And so that created some value in certain areas of the bond markets that some international or some uh, managed bond managers are finding some value finally for the first time in about two years. Um, so you can look at some of the unconstrained bond funds that are out there that have the ability to kind of pick through the rubble um, and deal with interest rate increases. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of one of those eras where we're in where interest rates are going up. So if you're an investor, you're close to retirement, meaning, you know, under five years or in retirement, and you've got a bunch of cash on the sidelines and you already feel like you own enough stocks, and if you're looking at your mortgage versus buying a bunch of bonds right now, um, you're probably eyeing paying off that mortgage and reducing your cash outflow versus buying a lot more bonds, especially longer-term bonds, which I think there's still a lot of risk there. So can I get just a yes or no from you? Are we done investing in the low interest rate environment, and now we're investing in a cyclical expansion market? Oh, I don't know. We have to wait till there's actual policy. I mean, right, right. now we have we have you know somebody that tweets late at night again uh, regarding foreign policy and the new Air Force One jets versus what are we truly dealing with? What's going to happen with the Affordable Care Act? What's going to happen with infrastructure spending? How is that going to be funded? How much debt is going to result? Uh, from this, so um, you know, it, it's not it doesn't mean drastically change your portfolios okay. um, or go way above your risk tolerance. I can tell you that. Let's talk about retirees. Anything people should be doing different with their portfolios right now? Yeah, I think that with the recent rise in interest rates and the idea that um, we're seeing really pretty decent economic numbers out there between jobs and the service sector. Um, you know, rates are likely going to be going up, continue to slow rise up. So if you're in, I've seen portfolios where people have done okay in the last couple of years, but they're way overboard on investing for stocks for income. And they still own longer term bonds in their 401ks. So uh, rebalance your portfolio, especially in January, if you're trying to wait until a new tax year to take a bunch of gains to rebalance, and that's fine because it makes sense to do that in January. I think we'll see a lot more of this continued rotation in January. Um, and for retirees that are close to retirement, within 10 years, they're 59 and a half or older, and their 401k choices are awful when it comes to the bond side, Consider an in-service IRA rollover. If you're over 59 and a half, you're still working. You can often roll your own money um, inside your 401k to an IRA to have it managed or have some different choices. Um, now, you, if you're you know in the middle of a lawsuit or a divorce or something like that, you don't want to do anything like that. But if you're f- purely focused on on getting better choices in your 401k plan, and they're just not offering it, that's one of your options. So we got a webinar coming up. Hit that real quickly. It's going to be a 10 Pillars Retirement Income Planning webinar. People can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. It's um, coming up on December 21st. Anything else we should know about it? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 perfect event for people that may be 10 years or less from retirement or in retirement. Um, there's a real change in mindset between accumulation versus distribution. And you don't necessarily have to set your portfolio up for distribution planning in order, you know, where am I going to get my money at retirement? But 10 years out, you need to start changing your mindset and realizing that 
in five years, your portfolio does need to be set up for retirement distribution so that you don't have to deal with market fluctuations determining when you can retire. So it walks you through the process of accumulation versus distribution. When you're building wealth, you're always thinking about how can I pay the least amount of taxes this year? But once you get to retirement, you have to think, how can I have the lowest tax bracket over 35 or 40 years and blend your rates and take advantage of the different brackets and, and strategies like conversions and things like that? And also, you know, 10 years out from retirement, you need six to 12 months worth of uh, savings and cash for your emergency funds. But once you get to retirement, the, the, the calculation is much different. It's three years worth of your portfolio draws in cash, and we walk people through how to actually calculate that number. Okay, we've got a couple minutes left. So let's mention, again, the, uh, about the webinar, accumulation versus distribution, tax mindset must change. What is the tax mindset? Because I don't have a tax mindset. Help me figure it out for me. Yeah, well, I think your tax mindset would be, okay, each and every year you're filing a return, you're, you're earning money, you have high earned income, so you're always trying to figure out how can I pay the least amount of taxes this year. And so sometimes even with AMT tax, you're trying to put you know, things like property taxes or bonuses into one year or the other to try to offset AMT. Once you get to retirement, you look at your IRAs and you say, wow, that's a huge tax bill that's going to have to be paid at some point. Um, and most people, if, if they end up doing that mindset where you're saying, I'm going to pay the least amount of taxes this year, then once they get to 70 and a half, their tax brackets explode and they lose all control because you're forced to take money out of your IRAs at 70 and a half. So you have to realize how the tax brackets work, the marginal rates versus capital gains. Capital gains can be 0, 10, 15, or 20%. And you have to blend those all together so you get to a point in retirement, you know where every single dollar that you're going to pull each year, where it's going to come from, what type of an account, and where your tax bracket's going to be over the long haul versus just this year. Big fat end of the year webinar coming up. People could sign up for it at newfocusfinancial.com. It's December 21st. It's all tied towards income and retirement and mindsets and much, much more. You can sign up for it at newfocusfinancial.com and listen to Chad on Tuesdays, Mondays and Tuesdays at 2 o'clock here on KDOW. AM 1220. Call Rob Black now, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Lumineers here. Little Cleopatra. It's a pretty good album so far. It's had uh, two big hits already and a third on the way. So I'm a fan. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, color me, how shall we say it, jaded or <laughs> color me enlightened by the hipsters. 
the hipsters that are the Lumineers. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. I got an email from someone that I think is pretty, I'm going to say the word damning. Um, and I just, sometimes I don't get people. And it's almost like, what's it going to take um, for you to make the right decision or, or to know what you're doing? Um, it was an email about a stock getting delisted. And essentially what you had was an ETN, which was doing business three times long crude oil. So you're taking aggressive aggressive, aggressive, I say it three times, um, but I should say it ten times, you're taking aggressive risk when you're trying to beat the market by three times, any any market. Um, and the email was like, what should I do with it? You know, it's, it's, it's down dramatically. Year to date, it's down 46%. The real answer is, is you really need to have a decision before you get into something like this. Um, I think it's okay to buy long-term stocks and say it's a long-term stock. Disney, I'm going to hold it for 30, 40 years. That's okay. It's not necessarily smart. It's not necessarily the the brightest. It's not bad. It was around when you were a little kid. Assumption is that they'll be around when your little kids are little kids, have little kids. So I get it. I get it. But... Sometimes when you're trying to beat the market by three times, what you really should be saying is, I want a plate of spaghetti. No, I want four plates of spaghetti. I think you're being a little bit too piggish, in my opinion. And you got into trouble because you're trying to be a little bit too piggish. And that's all I'll say. Um, When you should sell a stock or an exchange-traded fund or note is when it doesn't make sense for your portfolio anymore. Uh, do you need it? And the answer is you never needed this. I'm not saying sell it. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned. Um, you know, uh, at the end of the year, you should look at your exposures. I like to have 20% of my investments in healthcare stocks. They could be hospitals, they could be HMOs, they could be um, pharmaceutical companies, biotech companies, it could be indexes tied to all four. If they did exceptionally well this year, I may say, okay, now there's 30% of my portfolio, so I'm going to rebalance. Not something I want to sell, but something that keeps me balanced. AstraZeneca, the drug maker, reported upbeat results for a lung cancer drug in trial, saying it improved progression-free survival by nearly six months. Um, yeah, it's a shame to say this out loud, that typically when you get cancer, and they find it and they treat it, they can treat it a lot of times with the drug Tarseva, then that doesn't work. You go to radiation and chemotherapy, and it's great that new drugs always keep coming out. But sadly, we're talking about improving progression-free survival by nearly six months. So typically, it's kind of a death sentence um, when you get cancer in the lungs. Uh, it's just a matter of time. My father is a perfect example of that. So 
AutoZone, the auto parts retailer, had a nice quarter. Revenue was in line. AutoZone saw improvement in profit margins from a year ago. Uh, there's talk now that um, there's going to be a cash for clunkers kind of deal to try to stimulate the economy. And uh, that would be bad for a company like AutoZone. McDonald's plans to keep a minority stake in its chain in Hong Kong stores after it sells them. The restaurant trains uh, seeks up to about $2 billion in the transaction. Um, Apple, their CEO Tim Cook, told Reuters today uh, that the Apple Watch sales uh, to consumers set a record during the first week of holiday sales. Yeah. A lot of people are kind of like saying that about Apple right now. Yeah. The iPhone 7 not selling terribly well, and when the commercial is like, ooh, it sounds better. Um, is that enough of a improvement to make you go out and get one? At 600 plus bucks, or do you say, you know what, I'm going to get some USB speakers. Uh, Skechers, Wells Fargo initiated coverage of the footwear maker with an outperform rating, saying the stock has a compelling valuation after a 50% tumble, and that Uggs maker has multiple catalysts for reacceleration in 2017. Nike got downgraded. Um, Cowan downgraded the company, saying that they're losing some market share to Adidas and Under Armour, Armour, and that could accelerate. So that would be a positive for Under Armour. Now, Nike used to make equipment for golfers like Tiger Woods, and Tiger Woods comes back, and Nike no longer makes equipment for Tiger Woods because they no longer make golf equipment. Um, Netflix was upgraded to hold. Uh, Evercore says that its competition, saying ultimately that competition feared when it instituted the downgrade, has not gained much traction. Um, so there's not a, lot of, not a lot of competition for Netflix. Um, I've got Netflix, and I'll be honest with you, between Netflix and YouTube, it's pretty easy to find something to kill an hour or two with, um, if you need to. So Netflix did say that, you know, they're not doing as many, they're not buying as many big movies, because it takes six, seven months for the movie to get to Netflix, and most people, if they wanted to see that big movie, they would have already seen it. Uh, What I'm a little surprised by, and I've searched Netflix for this, and I don't find their search to be terribly intuitive at times, uh, but they don't have a lot of music concerts. Uh, I like I like the music concert. So Oppenheimer upgraded Pandora today, saying it basically thinks the company is going to uh, be bought out by SiriusXM as a legitimate possibility of a takeout value of about $21 a share. So that's out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Find me on Twitter at robblackshow and YouTube, robblackshow. Retirement needs a plan, but it can be hard to know how to even begin. By keeping your focus on just a few essential issues, you can increase your chances of enjoying a secure future. Step one, sign up for the free webinar, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income, hosted by New Focus Financial. 
It's Wednesday, December 21st, starting at 7 p.m. And during this hour-long webinar, you'll learn from certified financial planner Chad Burton how you can reduce risk with diversification. He'll give you tax reduction strategies and estate planning tips and let you know which bond alternatives and retirement products make sense in today's low interest rate environment. You'll learn how to rebalance your portfolio in retirement and create a tax-efficient distribution plan. And you'll get tips on portfolio structuring, asset allocation, and more. Again, this is a free webinar, 7 p.m. Wednesday, December 21st, for about an hour. Go to newfocusfinancial.com to register now and take the first step towards a secure future. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare briefing.com start my day every day with his takes on the market um page one uh friday it's the big picture but five days a week i start with page one even if i'm not working that day it's that kind of insightful how are you mr o'hare hey rob i'm doing just fine thank you um the only thing i really jumped out at me over the weekend that i wanted to ask you about was italy what happened in italy exactly and is it good news or bad news for the world economy and the u.s economy yeah, well, I guess maybe we shouldn't look at the stock market for the answer uh, to that question because okay. uh, the stock market is kind of in um, this area of complacency right now where it's just kind of taking any negative headlines and sort of ignoring them. But uh, to answer your question, um, you know, I think it I think it was a negative for for the global economy and certainly for the eurozone economy. Um, you know, if you think about it in terms of you had a prime minister who tried to get through a, a, a referendum uh, that, you know, ultimately was going to basically concentrate more power in his hands and the in the hands of the lower house of parliament. There, that maybe I don't think was such, maybe not such a great thing. You know, uh, in a system where you need checks and balances, but the key thing for I think for the economy is that. Uh, because of the defeat of the referendum, it essentially forced or will force the resignation of the prime minister there. And so it just leaves a, an, uh, you know, this vacuum of political uh, space that is needs to be filled. Uh, and you don't know what's coming in Italy in terms of how that is going to ultimately get filled in the next election. Might it give way to a, you know, an anti-Euro party that really sort of upsets uh, the, the the sense of survivorship for the for the European Union we don't know but um, but it's you know net net I don't think it's a good thing when you're staring at you know a large economy that basically doesn't have political leadership and you have a, a banking sector there that is clearly troubled and uh, and needs and needs strong leadership so that it can get recapitalized and and uh, and that hopefully a, a broader banking crisis can be averted. 
So it's tough to say exactly how it's going to hit the markets, or is it like also, to me it feels like there's a referendum going around on let's change things up politically around the world, starting with the U.K., Brexit, then the United States, and now Italy. Well, there's definitely truth to that statement, Rob. I mean, I think that, um, you know, the defeat of the referendum, uh, which pretty much was construed as a defeat of a, an establishment uh, candidate there or, or politician in, in Italy, um, and I suppose the the residual concern, which isn't being accounted for right now uh, in global equity markets, is is that you know the rise of populism often comes with you know increased spending, right? And you already have a number of economies that are are not in the best financial shape, and uh, if you're going to be um, instilling populist leaders there who kind of you know promise to uh, you spend more uh, and try to distance themselves from fiscal discipline, um, there's likely going to be a price to pay down the road. You know, how far down the road remains the great question, but uh, nothing comes for free, and uh, there is going to be some payback that uh, will ultimately come around from higher budget deficits and, and the higher levels of debt relative to GDP uh, that could take, uh, you know, that could manifest themselves in, in higher interest rates and higher interest expenses that, ultimately pull from essential social spending services so um, so it, it, it's just not a uh, it's, it's one of those things right now where the market is so myopic uh, and just kind of riding I think the momentum trade and this trade of seasonality uh, that it's not you know uh, focused yet on some of those broader more important longer term issues sounds interesting um, Bill Gross came out today, and he's one of those Bond guys that I always like to listen to, and I want to get your quick knee-jerk reaction. He said something along the lines of, Trump in the short term is going to be good for the economy, but long term he's going to create so much debt that it's going to be a problem, so, i.e. creating debt to stimulate the economy, but we still have to pay it back at some point in time. Is that kind of how you're thinking as well? Because it looks that way. Yeah, well, that I mean, that's pretty. I, I think it's along the lines of what I had, what I just said in terms of what the market's not really appreciating right now, or not, you know, not really uh, allowing itself to get its mind around any negative uh, implications that might arise from some of these pro-growth policies. So, so I do think there's some truth to that. I mean, you've had a market that's been obviously constrained for for many years here by the lack of of strong economic growth, and so uh, with what Mr. Trump is proposing, it all certainly sounds good at first blush, you know, where you get tax cuts and infrastructure spending and deregulation, and, and you know, ideally it does lead to stronger growth, and then the, the argument there is that it will, uh, you know, broaden the tax base and that, you know, that broader tax base can ultimately offset the cost of those, those pro-growth policies so that you don't see uh, an exorbitant rise in, you know, uh, the debt or the, or the deficit. Um, and that's where there's a lot of uh, clearly plenty of debate as to whether that will actually play out. But I believe that's what Mr. Gross is driving at is, that, you know, here in the short term, we've already seen a huge pop uh, in stock prices on uh, predicated on this anticipatory view that you're going to see stronger growth avail itself in the first, well, more likely in the second half of 2017 uh, uh, than in the first half. But um, but something we you, we talked about last week is that I think it's important to note that 
there's some underpinnings of stronger growth that are that are showing up now uh, that were taking place even before the election. And so I would say that the U.S. economy is is exiting 2016 uh, in a better position uh, than one might have expected a, a short time ago. And so, and that's an encouraging thing that should hopefully lead to stronger earnings growth. Uh, but ultimately, yes, there's I, you know there's there's going to be a price to pay for uh, for pro growth policies. Uh, certainly, if they don't uh, produce the type of um, uh, economic growth that's that's embedded in the you know in these in these expectations. What else are you looking at right now as the year kind of starts to wind down? Well, we have a you know we have a, another yet another key central bank meeting this week. <laughs> um, so uh, that's the European Central Bank meeting. Um, it's out on Thursday, and there's a lot of attention to the idea of, you know, what will uh, Mr. Draghi and the ECB decide to do with their quantitative easing program. Um, <clears throat> you know, conventional wisdom suggests that they'll likely um, extend it. Right now it's uh, out there with the qualifier that it will last through March 2017 or longer if necessary. Uh now, inflation rates in the eurozone are 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 picking up, but they still remain quite low, uh, and and certainly well below the ECB's target of um, you know just below two percent. So the expectation is that you will hear the ECB come out and uh, you know and extend that timeline for when the uh, QE program will ultimately end. But I think there's also some concern with some of the improving economic activity you're seeing and the gradual rise in the inflation rate there. Uh, that you might start to hear Mr. Draghi <clears throat> temper the market's uh, views uh, with respect to the longevity of that QE program. And so it'll be interesting to watch, you know, how the market reacts to that. Um, and, you know, one thing I'll be watching for is if he, if he does suggest that they're going to basically start working to curtail the QE program and the market responds positively, I think it will be yet another reflection of how the market is in this mode right now of, of not fearing higher interest rates because they're a byproduct of stronger economic growth that should lead to stronger earnings growth. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, where the market's mindset is relative to what uh, what the ECB does, in fact, say. little statistic for you. Um, we spend over a billion dollars a year on Christmas trees as a nation, and the average Christmas tree is $50.82 if anyone asks you today. That is, you know, actually, my children asked me that last night, <laughs> and, I'm, and I uh, had uh, male answer syndrome, and I threw out, uh, well, I think it's fifty dollars, kids. And uh, so, what do you know? Sometimes I, <laughs> I wasn't too far off the mark. <laughs> it's uh, pretty interesting because seventy-eight percent of households get Christmas trees, and because of the droughts, they're getting more and more expensive. So, a little supply and demand for your kids. Um, <laughs> yes, well, I'm going to share that statistic off. with them tonight. <laughs> I'll, I'll email it to you later today so you can uh, pull on it if you need to. Anything else that you're working on right now uh, that you want to share with us? Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I am working on, you know, the market view for, for 2017. Um, okay. uh, you know, and it, it's, it's never an interesting thing when you're trying to lay, lay out a case for an entire year ahead. Um, and so what we endeavor to do at briefing.com really is to keep, 
uh, sort of a rolling average or rolling perspective on what that how that market view will take shape. So I'll lay out a case for 2017 with the caveat that it it'll essentially be uh, updated quarterly into 2017 based on you know the new information that's available to us. So a lot of it is just based on what uh, what one thinks will happen, but you know when the actual data starts rolling in. Uh, you have no choice but to turn around and oftentimes revise uh, whatever viewpoint you shared uh, at the end of the prior year. Sounds good. Thanks for your help, sir, and have a good day, and uh, enjoy those market highs that we're hitting. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. That's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. You can find him at Briefing.com. I seriously start my day every single day reading this stuff. It's well put together, thought out, and easy to digest. We want your bread, so don't make us Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. We could talk about Medicare. We've been putting off enrolling for Medicare for next year. Now is the time to do it. Open enrollment for Medicare Advantage Part D. The prescription drug coverage is winding down. You have between October 15th and December 7th in order to pull that off unless you're covered by your employer and you're working after the age of 65. So know that that is coming. Um, Elsewhere out there in the world of tech news, um, Google obviously has something to gain from you being connected to the Internet. And there was a product last year called Eero, E-E-R-O, that got rave reviews. And Google's got kind of a product they're unleashing now uh, to pull off a very similar product. Um, it's a three-pack. It costs about 299 It sets up like little hubs inside your house. And um, <clears throat> you can manage your Internet on your phone, which is pretty darn cool to me. I like silly things like that. Um, <clears throat> anyway... That's one of those little stories out there that you kind of want to see the tech companies continuing to keep their fingers in tech. And you kind of want to hear that on occasion. Like, I heard Apple today come out and say, hey, the Apple iWatch is selling great. It had its best, uh, it's off to its best holiday start ever. And you're like, yeah, but I still don't want one. And that's the problem is that right now Apple's really not doing anything that makes us go, ooh, ah, Look at that tech, like I just you know mentioned about Google. Um, or Netflix recently said, hey, you can download our, our original shows and watch them on the plane. So you want to catch up with 10 episodes of Kimmy Schmidt or something along those lines? No problem. It can be done at this point in time. Uh, Amazon, they want to improve the grocery store. 
it's an area that's kind of like the white whale of for tech companies, and they're testing out a grocery store in downtown Seattle that lets you grab food from the shelves and walk out, and no standing in checkout lines. Like that's ooh, that's cool. Um, so you want to know these kind of things from tech companies. Netflix is the top grossing app on iPhone, and you're like, what? Netflix is okay because it's you can now subscribe through iTunes. Um, Apple's going to get a little cut of it, of course. So uh, net revenue has grown from about 50000 to nearly $2.9 million. Now, that's a financial reason to like Apple. It's not a technological uh, breakthrough. YouTube's paid over $1 billion to the music industry from advertising alone in the last year. So the music industry is growing again. So last month, analysts predicted the global recorded music revenues will double over the next 10 years. Uh, YouTube pointed to its $1 billion advertisement payout as evidence that multiple experience and models are succeeding alongside of each other. Uh, you might remember that Napster kind of killed the music industry for a while, and then CDs kind of went away as we went to iTunes, and then subscription services are rocking and rolling. So uh, just throwing that out there for you. So a little ho-ho-ho for you. Uh, taking a look at Christmas trees. I kind of brought this up ever so slightly in the last segment. I'd kind of like to bring it up ever so slightly again and not completely bore you with it, but on my TV show, I'm calling Christmas trees a loser. We spend over a billion dollars a year as Americans on Christmas trees. We buy them all over the place. 78% of households will display a Christmas tree this year. The um, artificial tree... Not so much. Um, so it's been accused uh, by the National Christmas Tree Association of not being very Christmassy because a lot of Christmas tree organizations are tied towards charities. And in this case, Christmas trees versus non-fake Christmas trees. I like the fake Christmas tree from a financial perspective. From a romantic lover uh, you got to like the, the smell of the forest in your house, right? Because isn't that natural? The average price for a natural tree is on the rise. It's $50.82. That's 22% more from 2014. It's a 28% increase from 2008. That's called inflation. And that's why if you hear statistics like, yeah, the average wage hasn't changed much in the last 20 years, or the median income, well, Christmas trees did. Um, healthcare certainly did. Now, you can get exotic trees for a 1000 bucks in New York City in some boroughs. In 2015, $1.3 billion was spent on real trees, 32% of which were cut down and purchased from tree farms, and 26% were bought from tree lots and other stores. I have a friend that used to go to Santa Claus Village, which is really close to Santa Cruz, and he bought a Christmas tree there. I'm like, that's a mistake. Uh, two days later, it was dead because California's in a drought. Buying a Christmas tree from California, probably not the greatest, smartest idea. Um, 32% of Americans choose and cut at a tree farm. Uh, 10% go to a nonprofit group. 10% go to a retail lot. 12% go to something like a Home Depot or a chain store. And 26% go to a nursery or a garden center. So how much are you spending on a Christmas tree this year? And I, am I the Grinch because I'm not a big fan of Christmas trees? I'm a fan of Christmas trees, just only if you're wealthy. And most people aren't said wealthy. 
Productivity growth in the United States rebounded sharply to the best level in two years. That helps the economy enormously, and it improves GDP. Uh, ho, ho, oh, no, the IRS is going to delay your refund until February 15th, uh, minimum. Uh, so that's tied towards Congress trying to figure out tax refund fraud and identity theft. Um, yeah, I get that. So, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Children are asleep, but look, there's nothing underneath. No ghouls, no witches here to scream and scare them all and snap them all in little Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.